You are listening to a podcast from News Plus Radio. This is In the Spotlight. Echoes from ancient times with the tempo of the modern age. In the Spotlight gives you more choice from the vast landscape of authentic Chinese music and culture. In the Spotlight, the best of China's music and culture from north, south, east, and west. In the Spotlight. Hello and welcome to this edition of In the Spotlight, a show featuring arts, culture, and showbiz from right here in China. I'm your host Li Ningjin. Buyi ethnic group are one of the oldest ethnic minorities in China. Their music is considered as a valuable cultural trait. So first up on today's program, we'll enjoy some Buyi songs. Next, a China Ethnic Culture Week has just concluded in Poland's capital Warsaw. We will show you how diverse art forms from Chinese minority groups amazed the Polish public. Following that, we will explore Beijing's first ever private contemporary art gallery, which resides in one of the oldest standing fortresses in China. And finally, we will introduce you to Cao Guilin's new book, New Yorker in Beijing, a sequel of the bestseller A Native of Beijing in New York. So plenty of entertaining and informative stories are up ahead on In the Spotlight. Stay with us. Residing around green hills and clean rivers, Buyi people have led peaceful lives in southwest China's Guizhou province for thousands of years. Using lively and entertaining music, this ethnic minority manages to bring people together despite cultural, economic, and financial differences. So let's follow Sam Duckett to take a listen. Music is an important part of the culture of the Buyi ethnic group. It is intertwined in their daily lives and very pleasant to listen to. Buyi culture is a unique aspect of the Guizhou Province in southwest China. Diverse forms of their music have managed to bring people from the Buyi ethnic group together, despite cultural, economic, and financial differences. Rao Yan grew up in the Yangcheng town and has a strong passion for Buyi ethnic music. She discussed some of the distinct characteristics of Buyi music while showing me around her local area. Buyi ethnic music consists of woodwinds, strings, keyboard, and singing. Buyi music can often be heard in the fields of Guizhou. The music brightens the mood of those with strenuous jobs. It is very important for boys and girls of our ethnic group to understand music. If they do not understand music, we believe this stops them from getting married. During my tour of the Yangcheng village, I witnessed a musical performance from a group of middle school students and their music teacher. The experience was unique because none of the students were using traditional musical instruments. The students' performance relied solely on blowing on leaves while their teacher played the erhu. After the performance, their teacher Luo Xiwei had a chat with me about music education in Bui culture. I started practicing music from the age of seven. My job now is to teach Bui music to young students. I try to use a personal approach to teach music to my students. 
I play the arhu and the yueqing. Both of these instruments are traditionally used in Bui music. I would personally describe Bui music as a type of renaissance. A key aspect of ethnic music in China are the garments worn by the performers, and Bui music is no exception. There is a strong level of dedication demonstrated in the clothes worn by the performers. They are made with manual sewing machines. Bui clothing includes a wide range of colors and patterns, both of which have an important role in adding to the effect of the musical performances. Local tailor from the Yangcheng village, Luo Qimin, had a chat with me about Bui traditional clothing. Yangcheng village tailors specialize in garments for the Bui ethnic group, the Yi ethnic group, and the Mao ethnic group. We produce cloth, which is then produced to make different items of clothing. Aside from the cloth we produce, we also make several other handmade products, including bags, belts, and anything that is unique to these three ethnic groups. The Yangcheng village is rich in culture, and the Bui music is a strong example of this. The performers from the Yangcheng village are able to express their passion and love for the people through music. It is an important part of their daily lives, as expressed by the following Bui performers. <laughs> The people from our village enjoy singing and dancing, regardless of their age. Buyi grew up around our local music. The leaves we use in our performances, our clothing is all made in our local village. It has become an important part of our culture and our daily lives. Buyi girls like to express their feelings, and they do this through music. As soon as I hear Buyi music, I feel really happy. Our people hear the music, and they just want to get up and down. Bui music, in some respects, is quite similar to Western music. It expresses passion, friendship, and brings people together. The Bui people are very warm towards their guests, which allows for foreigners to gain a strong understanding of their culture. Sam Duckett introduced us to the unique charm of the Buyi ethnic music. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Li Ningjing. No matter where we live or what language we speak, art always serves as a universal mechanism to break down boundaries and bring hearts together. Recently, China Ethnic Culture Week just brought down its curtains in Poland. With the help of some of the brightest gems from Chinese minority groups, this event enabled the Polish public to get to know China's culture better. We go to Liu Xiangwei for more. Commencing with a music concert in Warsaw, the China Ethnic Culture Week is in full swing. As a celebration of the 65th anniversary of the diplomatic relations between China and Poland, this commemorative event has put the arts of Chinese ethnic minorities in the limelight. From dances to tea-making performances, the abandoned cultural banquet covers many disciplines in a span of over two weeks. 
Jacek Obrecht, director general of the Poland's Ministry of Culture and National Heritage, says the Chinese culture is broadly welcomed in Poland, but the folk art of minorities is less well known. The Culture Week could afford the Polish public a rare opportunity to explore the vitality and unique artistic charm of Chinese ethnic culture. I'm glad that we could enjoy the performance of Chinese artists today. Despite the long distance between our two nations, music, culture, and art are the universal languages that connect us together. During the music concert titled "Voice of Yunnan," performers from different ethnic groups hold their respective instruments and sing about love, nature, and their beloved hometown with graceful melodies. The resonant and touching singing, pristine dance, plus the colorful traditional clothing, enrapture Polish audiences. The concert is fantastic. The music is completely different from our own. I am glad I have got a chance to understand Chinese culture and music. It's amazing. It's so beautiful. This is my first time to watch a concert like this. It's very impressive and interesting. If such a concert is held again, I will be back. However, the China Ethnic Culture Week is not all about music. Entering into the exhibition hall of the State Ethnographic Museum in Warsaw, visitors will be embraced by a sea of vibrant colors. Exquisite folk costumes and engraved baldrics are set inside glass showcases, while delicate paper ornaments hang from the walls. Meanwhile, Chinese docents perform the tea-making ritual elegantly, aiming to treat busy urbanites with harmony and tranquility. Working at Chinese National Museum of Ethnology, Miao Yan is responsible for bringing exhibits to Poland. This time, we introduced five programs, including three thematic exhibitions, a charade, and a minority film panorama. Through this event, we want to deliver an all-around demonstration of ethnic culture, something comprehensive, not limited to the exhibition of artifacts. We communicate with viewers in depth. Which will facilitate the promotion of ethnic culture to Polish public. Xu Jian, the Chinese ambassador to Poland, says the culture could be served as a bridge to connect both countries. Poland is a country with rich cultural heritage and resources. In the field of arts, the bilateral communication and cooperation between our two nations could be traced back to a long time ago. I believe this exhibition will provide a new platform for artists and public from both countries to better know each other. According to the cultural cooperation agreement signed by cultural departments of both countries, Poland will launch its art promotion program in China in 2015. That was Liu Xiangwei reporting. Echoes from ancient times with the Temple of the Modern Age. In the spotlight, more choice from the vast landscape of authentic Chinese culture. Built in the 15th century and at 29 meters tall, the southeast corner tower at Dongbianmen in eastern Beijing is one of the oldest standing fortresses in China. It is also the residence of the Red Gate Gallery, the first private contemporary art gallery in the capital. Our reporter Doris Wang takes us on a tour of this place. 
Founded in 1991 by Australian Brian Wallace, the Redgate Gallery is a popular place for contemporary artists in China to hold exhibitions. The gallery is located in an ancient fortress that dates back to the Ming Dynasty. Fascinated by both Chinese history and art, I recently visited this place where ancient architecture meets modern-day artistry. I am here at the entrance to the Red Gate Gallery. The gallery is separated into two floors. On the first and fourth floor of the southeast corner tower at Dongbianmen in Beijing's Dongcheng District. Surrounding the tower is the main city wall relics park, which is inside the remnants of the ancient city walls. Sometimes you can hear the sound of the trains nearby. That's because right next to the tower, you can see railway tracks, and Beijing Railway Station is just in the neighborhood. So to reach the gallery, you have to go up a set of steps to the top of the fortress. And now we reach the top, and I can see where the gallery got its name. The doors to the tower are literally painted in red. Now we cross the threshold and enter into the first floor of the gallery. One of the main objectives of the gallery is providing space for young contemporary artists to exhibit their works. The first floor contains such a space, and every month there will be works by a different artist being displayed here. This month features the work by Zhang Yaohui. The name of this exhibition is called "The Threads That Connect Us." His works feature brushwork that are often seen in Chinese traditional paintings. But the subjects in some of these paintings are very modern, and some are probably inspired by Western cultures, like this painting of a church that's created with lines on the canvas. The canvases for all his paintings are made from rice paper. These artworks are displayed in a cavernous space in a very traditional Chinese building with several red columns inside here, and sunlight peeking through the windows. It has a very West meets East and history meets present day kind of feel to it. So I spoke to the founder of this gallery, Brian Wallace, to find out more about his interest in Chinese modern art and why his gallery is located in this historical building. So, what inspired you to open the gallery? Actually, during the 80s, I was doing exhibitions at different、um, locations in Beijing. While I was at university, my Chinese friends were artists. So I was knocking around with them a lot, and then helping them to organise exhibitions at different places, like the Ancient Observatory or the Temple of Longevity, etc. Those old buildings, old heritage sites.、Mm-hmm. And then in '91, after being here for some time,、um, I was wondering, you know, what I was going to do after the study. So we thought we'd try and open a gallery, and we had a very good introduction to the management here of this building. So, what made you interested in modern art instead of the traditional art or ancient artifacts in China? My friends were young Chinese artists, so it sort of went naturally. That's where my、um, interest developed with them at the time. Let's talk about the gallery. It's located in this fortress from the Ming Dynasty. What made you、um, interested in moving your gallery here in this ancient building? Well, we were doing shows at the Ancient Observatory, which is another Ming building just not too far from here, Jiangguoman. And when we wanted to open、uh, a gallery in their space, they said no. But what about this Ming Dynasty fortress down the road? The management there literally walked me down the hill and introduced me to the management here. The building had just been restored, 
and was reopening to the public. We had the first offer um, to move in. And, uh, of course, once we were in here, we just thought, wow, it's perfect for a contemporary art gallery. So at the other part of the gallery, on the fourth floor, is another set of display. Here you can find famous artworks by notable modern art creators in China, like Wang Qiang, Zhu Wei, Yue Mingjun, whose works are also on display at the Today Art Museum. On the third floor, which is not part of the gallery, there's a display of the fortresses in Beijing. So there are a lot of familiar names like Xuanwumen, Dongzhimen, Xijimen. These are all names of subway stops. Hundreds of years ago, there were actual fortresses and watchtowers there, just like the one I am standing in right now. The Red Gate Gallery is probably one of the more interesting places that I have visited in Beijing. It's great to see art from modern China displayed in a historical heritage site. If you're visiting Beijing, the Red Gate Gallery is definitely worth a visit. That was Doris Wang taking us to explore the Red Gate Gallery in Beijing. You're listening to In the Spotlight, I'm Li Ningjing. If you love him, send him to New York because it is a paradise. If you hate him, send him to New York because it is hell. This is one of the most memorable lines of the 1990s hit TV drama, A Native of Beijing in New York, which is the first ever Chinese TV show filmed in a foreign country. Now, after 20 years, the original novel by Cao Guilin is hitting the shelves again, along with its sequel, New Yorker in Beijing. So let's follow Liu Xiangwei to find out more about the new book, New Yorker in Beijing. If you love him, bring him to New York for his heaven. If you hate him, bring him to New York for his hell. For most middle-aged Chinese people, a native of Beijing in New York is an everlasting masterpiece. Adopted from the original story by Glenn Cao Guilin, a Chinese immigrant who has been in the United States for some 30 years, the show became a big screen hit in 1993. The story is about the struggle of a Beijing family during their first few years in New York. They are constantly tormented by the cultural shock and real-life problems, so they often ask themselves questions like, should we leave or stay, or is this city a paradise or hell? You say you want to leave, but here you come again. I say no more infatuation, belong for its return. The sequel takes place 20 years later when the main character in the original story, Wang Qiming, returns to China. The dramatically changed lives of Wang and his two friends are still full of twists in the new story. Cao Guilin says the two stories are both based on his own struggle with immigrant life in the U.S. The first book was inspired by my daughter's rebellion in the first few years after we moved to America. The new story is inspired by the sudden demise of one of my best friends, who died in an accident on his way to catch a red-eye plane in the early morning. I also want to express my pains through all these years in America. 
Cao says life of Chinese immigrants is seemingly not much different from 20 years ago. Both locals and Chinese Americans have dealt with difficulties financially and spiritually in the past two decades. Life of the main character Wang Qiming has not changed much, as he still struggles with financial issues and difficulties in business. On the contrary, his friends who never got a chance to go to America became successful. So Wang was shocked every time he came back. It is not a surprise that this story is mostly inspired by the writer's own observations, which are shared by those who travel regularly between China and America. This change is not just about new buildings. It is more about the change of Chinese people's mindset during the economic boom. It seems all my friends in China are going global and taking a dominant position, while my life is still much limited. This shift of power and mindset is reflected by the ups and downs of three childhood friends in the new book. Director Zheng Xiaolong is planning to remake the classic A Native of Beijing in New York into a TV series. Chao Guilin's works are based on real life and personal emotions. Most of the novels nowadays fail to do so. That's why I love his works. He only writes it down after experiencing something particularly touched his soul, which makes his works perfect to be put on TV. Wang Ji, leading actress of the hit TV drama, says she is looking forward to the new book. I hope the words of such a writer who has rich experience in another country and also has an innate power like a musician can help us do a thorough reflection on ourselves, nurture our spiritual world, and rethink our life. Cao Guilin says there is another profoundly unchanged part among Chinese immigrants, which is their enduring nostalgia for the motherland. They are intellectuals who work in college, but they still love Chinese pop culture. They still know all the celebrity gossips, and they can still remember those pop songs. This surprises me. Where do their hearts belong to? It is their homeland. Just like Cao Guilin, who still speaks in a perfect Beijing dialect, the immigrants' nostalgia for home will never fade out. This is probably the ultimate humanitarian purpose of the new book, as well as its companion volume. Liu Xiangwei introduced us Cao Guilin's new book, New Yorker in Beijing.
With that, we've come to the end of this edition of In the Spotlight. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you have any comments or suggestions, you can email us at spotlight at cri dot com dot cn. You can also log on to our website at www dot newsplusradio dot cn to find out more about today's topics or catch up on any of our previous editions. I'm Lining Jing, and thank you for listening. Please tune in same time next week for more interesting stories. Bye bye. Thanks for downloading this edition of the program. To find out more, please go to our website, newsplusradio.cn. We hope you enjoy it.